0: If I walk in a room with a girl on my arm and everybody in the room's like, damn, she's so fine, I would wanna date her, then it justifies why I'm dating her, even though we're both women. Wow. Versus, I'm dating a woman because I'm a lesbian and she happens to be hot. Mm.
1: Welcome back to Baited Out. Today I'm here with Liz Tracy and we're talking about internalized homophobia and how even when you grow up in a city that is so open with a family that's loving and accepting, it can still be so hard to face your sexuality. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So excited. Let's just start with your childhood. Where did you grow up and what was the gay representation like? I grew up in a suburb of Seattle, so super progressive.
0: I mean, it was never a big deal to see gay people. There's been, you know, so much pride forever, even Mm -hmm. since I was little. Ever since before I even liked people, I was so young. My parents would tell my brother and I all the time, I don't care who you end up with, whether it's a man, a woman, black, brown, like they need to treat you right. They need to be nice to you. And in retrospect, I'm like, was my mom just saying this to me? Like, I, maybe she kind of <laughs> knew. And like, she wasn't, was she say? I'm like, John, was was mom saying all this stuff to you? Like, <laughs> did she tell you it was okay? Whoever you liked? Um, I would say it was tough that there were no openly gay people in my community that mm-hmm. we knew of. And like, if there was one, they were known as, oh, the gay kid. Mm. That one gay kid in our high school. No women. There, I never, I, I don't think I met a lesbian until I got on the internet like, mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. I, in my teenage years. Um, so I think that lack of representation was definitely something that made knowing what I was hard, being okay with it. Um, I've spent so much of like my childhood wanting to fit in. Like I played all the sports. I tried really hard to like be the funny like friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I had taken on this assumption that As soon as somebody comes out as gay, that becomes the main focus of their identity. Mm -hmm. They're no longer the funny friend or the athletic friend. They're the gay friend. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't even like stomach the idea of I've worked so hard to be this list, to be all these different things. And it's not fair that something that doesn't impact anybody else is now going to be the the only and first thing people think of when they hear my name. Mm -hmm yeah when did you realize that you were gay I think it really started with such an innocent feeling where I was I would watch like hetero relationships on tv or even just experience them in my life and be like "Who men aren't very good at this like, I <laughs> like I'm like that was such a lame like flirt line or like oh like it looks so cute when like Guys will hug girls from behind at like Disneyland and like standing in line at roller coasters. Like I just always was almost envious of like how men could interact with women. And I Mm. it didn't feel like I want that. Like I want a boyfriend to hug me at, you know, Space Mountain Line. Like I was like, I could do that better. I just don't (laughs) know how to get a chance to do this. Like I want to be the man in the relationship, but I don't want to be a man. And it was sort of like that at first. It had nothing to do with like. Ooh, like I like women it was more like I just think I would be better at this than boys are well you know why don't I just do it you know I, like she's the man yeah you know, she, <laughs> she can go out and be on the Illyria soccer team I can make a little fake tumbler like throw on a hot guy I know plenty of hot guys i have got this
1: where did and you get the thought to do was catfishing like a thing yet
0: Thank God. No, like I got away with it for as long as I did because it wasn't a thing. Right. Like it's funny. The first time I catfished somebody, I was, I remember vividly. I catfished using Taylor Lautner's photos. He like, wasn't that big of a deal yet. Like twilight hadn't even come out. Okay. And so I'm like posing as Taylor Lautner. And I just started chatting with this girl. I I remember her name. Her name was Caitlin and like DMing. Yeah. Okay. And she was like, I'm just having such a hard time believing that like you're Taylor Lautner and like, I don't know how I just like got her to believe it. And like it went so far. Like we would like be on AIM. Do you remember like AOL? Messenger? And like she would go on camera. Like we would like video chat and I would be like, oh, I just, I don't have a webcam or whatever the excuse was. Oh. And this was before Snapchat, before Instagram, like before any like checks and balances. Yeah. And she was like, okay, like I'll just believe this. And obviously I had to move away from using Taylor Lautner, especially when Twilight came out, but, um, (laughs) I just got better at it. So I realized like, Oh, you you kept going, you can use any, any hot guy you could use anybody. And then I got to a point where I would find a hot guy on Facebook through whatever means. Like I usually would start with like someone in California and okay. just go through their friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, the hot people live in California. <laughs> so I would like find someone's profile on Facebook and be like, Oh, he looks cool. Like he would have hot friends. Okay. And then I would comb through like their tagged photos, find like the perfect guy. Right. Couldn't it be too hot. Cause it's like, are you really on Tumblr? We
1: talking? learned our lesson with Taylor locker right. You have Could, to be gotta, believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
0: gotta like start low. And I would find like the perfect guy. I would message him as what? me as me. And I would be like, hey, I am Tumblr famous. I can make you Tumblr famous, but you'll have to like take my advice on what types of photos to take, or like, I need you to make a gif. Right? Oh like,
1: my I god took it so
0: far. And these boys with their big egos would be like, oh, I could be Tumblr famous. Like, how many, how many people do you think will see it? And I'd be like, At least ten thousand Like just take a photo like this. Oh my God. They would do it. And then, you know, people on Tumblr would be like, I think that this guy is fake. Like take a gif, make a gif of yourself doing this. And I would just go to them and say, okay, I need my next bit of content. And like would do that. But it wasn't about like amassing followers or like, it didn't feel good to me. Like deep down that like I, I might've had a lot of Tumblr followers, but they were following who they thought was a man. And like, I was lying to everything, everybody about it. But like, what really was doing it for me was that I was making connections. Like I was having these online relationships with women, Mm. even if it wasn't me. Like it still gave me the feeling of I'm texting a girl. Good morning. I'm having
1: a girl text me good night. Like what was your end goal with these people? Like, where did you think it was going to go?
0: Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know that I ever had an end game like I and I remember that being a tough part about it, because as much as all of this was fake in the nature of it, it was still very real to me. Like Mm -hmm. I was crying over these girls and I was going to thrift stores to pick up sweatshirts Mm -hmm. and then going to Abercrombie and spraying them with like fierce because I wanted to send them like my hoodies and like I wanted it to be real so badly. And that's something that would really kind of eat at me was like, I remember being like, it doesn't matter if it's working. It doesn't matter if they believe me, this can never go somewhere that I want it to, because I will never get to experience this until I decide to be brave enough to go experience this. And there was never an aspect of me that wanted to be a boy for like any reason other than like, I want to be with women, but I don't want it to be because I came out. I don't want to be with a woman because and be a woman Mm -hmm. I want to be a man so it's just simple to be with women Mm -hmm. like it was either like I just wish I liked men and was straight or I wish I was a straight man and Mm -hmm. could be with women in a very easy traditional way Mm -hmm. so I think that was a big problem was that there was no end game and that made it worse like the fact that I was doing this and getting something out of it was almost perpetuating like Okay, well, I guess for the rest of my life, I'll just catfish. And that'll be my outlet. While in the real world, in my real life, I'll just date men and I'll get what I need from catfishing, basically. Like talking to women. And obviously that never would have worked. Now we have Snapchat and FaceTime. And Eve. And (laughs) and an entire show, a franchise around these. Isn't it interesting though? Like When you watch Catfish, 98% of the time, the person is struggling with their sexuality. And I just want to give all of those people a hug and be like, I know that you you let this get too far. Things went too far. But I also see you. And I don't think that this just means you're sociopathic or, you know, you have identity issues like we do. We have identity issues with who we are. It has nothing to do with. I'm making this profile and I'm going to bully this girl and I'm going to get her to fall in love and I'm going to break her heart because she was mean to me at school. Like, no, I, I never would have done that. It was all just about like bargaining with my own
1: sexuality. Wow. What was the like catalyst to stopping? So Tumblr kind of introduced
0: gay girls to me. There was plenty of straight girls and gay girls on Tumblr and I was catfishing like on Tumblr and I ended up catfishing this like really pretty girl and we would like text. We had exchanged like what you can when you're still a catfish. And then I realized after talking to her for a couple of months, the bitch was gay. Like she liked women. She wasn't talking to me as like a hot guy because she was interested. She just like, it was more of like, um, on Tumblr you would kind of like promo for promo, right? You would help people like get their stuff out there okay so she didn't care about men she was gay and i was like oh my god now i'm trapped because i would love to like introduce myself to her and be like oh like i'm Liz. like i like girls but she already has my phone number how how am i going to talk to her without telling her that i tested the waters with her already as a boy realized she liked girls and then backpedal
1: I thought about now cha- you need a new
0: phone. I thought about changing my phone number. <laughs> oh my I had my phone number for, what, five years? Like, I was going to change my phone number just to talk to this girl. Wow. So I make, like, a fresh Tumblr, and it's me this time. And I ended up, like, following her. Like, she follows me back. We're kind of DMing for a little. And then eventually she go, she's like, I really want to text you, or I want to call you. What's your phone number? And I kept beating around the bush. Oh, no. And finally after being kind of patient with it she goes can i ask you if you're not giving me your phone number because you know i already have it and i was like you do and i know that you know and she was mad and Damn. it took a, it took a minute it took a while and then she chose to forgive me she ended up being my first girlfriend ever that was wow. that was my first girlfriend and once i finally broke that like threshold of like I can get a girl as a girl yeah even if i still keep it separate and secret from my real life like i she lived in in pennsylvania and so so it was like
1: an online easy as a 15
0: year old person i was flying across the country what to go hang out with my friend that i met on the internet wow what a story what a first girlfriend story oh my god i that was the first girl I ever slept with. And when I tell you in Jersey, we like stayed in her little mother-in-law suite. So we had some privacy and like, we had sex for the first time first. I never even had sex with a boy at this point. Like this was my first everything. And we finished and she had fallen asleep. I laid there in the dark. Like I was in a coffin and just was staring at the ceiling, thinking to myself, calculating if I leave my shoes and I run, I just leave this ap- apartment and I run down the street barefoot. How far do I think I can get before she wakes up and realizes I've left? Gay panic. Gay pa- The biggest gay panic. Like everything inside of me was like, that was disgusting. That was so wrong. You feel so icky about this. Like, oh, wow, maybe you're not gay. Like maybe it's just like maybe you do just get something out of talking to women and maybe you don't really want to be with them.
1: Wow. Even
0: though like during the sex... I didn't have any of these thoughts like mm. I was just into it I was mm-hmm. just excited but afterwards was whew, scary yeah it was it was gay panic wow. personified what a great story great. yeah I so mean wild. it's very sad but wow it's so like interesting though like I think it's sad now because I think about like I just want to hug baby Liz you know yeah. like I just want her to not feel like she had to do all of this yeah but in retrospect, like all of my girlfriends were at least a thousand miles away, no matter what. And I've worked on it in therapy of wondering like, is it so ingrained in me now that even though I don't feel the need to keep it far apart for like secret purposes, Mm. it's just how I have always dated. And so naturally that's like, I'm like distance ain't nothing, you know, like it's what you're comfortable with. Right. Like most of my girlfriends are from Hawaii I dated a girl in Vancouver, Canada when I lived in Seattle and I would tell my parents, I'm going to go sleep at my friend's sorority. I would tell my sorority girlfriends, like, I'm going to stay home tonight. I'm just not feeling like coming to town. I would cross the border. Oh, I would drive up to God, Canada, Liz. cross the border. The border people would be like, okay, what's your business up here? And I'm like, meeting a friend from Tumblr. And they're like, okay, when are you going to be heading back? And I'm like, mm, like five hours. And they're like, you're coming just for like dinner. And I was like, yeah, like the border people thought I was, even the border. They they did not want to let me cross the border. They're like, there's (sighs) no way you're doing this to meet up with an internet friend for dinner. And like,
1: I would, I totally would. Do you think in a way that was still part of the internalized homophobia, like still part of the shame?
0: Oh, it was, it was oozing in shame. Like in Canada, and this was my first love. Like the first person I truly was like, I want to come out for you so badly because Mm. I'm so So proud of you at this point. No. And like, she was the best, like she was so patient and she would always tell me like, we don't, you don't have to come out ever. We could wait until our wedding. And then your coming out could be the fact that I'm the one standing at the other end of the aisle. I don't care. Mm. She would ask like, are you okay? Comfortable if I hold your hand and like in a different country, I'd be like, you can hold my hand, but like in my jacket pocket. Like I would have my mm-hmm. hands in my pockets and she could put her hand in and like hold my hand. Um, And I think that was all again, like the bargaining where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to date girls, but they're going to be so far away that it's the only point of me being in these obscure locations is to just be secretly with them. Um, Which even if I didn't realize it perpetuated like, my fear that like, okay, we're too scared to come out. So let's just keep living life like this compartmentalized so deeply that I like never even saw a way out where I was like, this is how we'll just have to function for the right. rest of our lives. Like, and because I was thinking that way, it wasn't leaving a lot of space for me to be thinking of any other options. Like I wasn't thinking you could just come out and right? date someone in Seattle. Right. You could, come out and stop feeling the need to truly keep girls at a distance because like that was literally what I was doing right where I wanted the best of both worlds I wanted to be straight in my hometown but I wanted to also get these experiences so even though nobody was making me do any of this like it was myself kind of like perpetuating like this is what has to be done yeah there's no other options
1: I mean, Mathilde's aunt always says that the root cause of everything is repressed sexuality. And I don't disagree with aunt. I mean, Uh, shout out to Barb. You're right. Barb is, couldn't be
0: more right. If she's looking for, you know, therapy clients, sign me up. Like Barb is on something. Um, Yeah, it's almost, it's interesting, like to hear you say like repressed sexuality, because I feel like simultaneously my sexuality is not at all like the crux of who I am, mm-hmm. but at the same time, so much of my life and my journey and my experiences have been shaped by my own repressed sexuality, which is wow. like the hardest it's like a part. It's self-fulfilling right? prophecy. Yes. Like I didn't have an environment where it was obvious why I was keeping myself contained yeah. and keeping myself a secret. And it was, it's so interesting now to be an adult and realize like. I love myself. I, I really do. But at the same time, I'm like, damn you, Liz. Like, look at how much you put yourself through. Right. All on account of you. Like, well, it came
1: from somewhere. Right. It's not all you. I mean, I think like, even though it wasn't in your family or like right in your face, society is beating it into our head from the day that we're born that we have to be straight and even like just having straight parents affects the way that Mm -hmm. we feel when we're different or there's so many microaggressions like the microaggressions I was a softball player Mm. just you know
0: also I played basketball so just right there you know I was I was low-hanging fruit and Mm -hmm. you would hear all the time like these microaggressions about softball players like not all softball players are lesbians, but all lesbians play softball. And, Mm. you know, they would, there was a saying, what was it? It was like, no bow, lesbo. So like, if you didn't have like a bow in your hair, then like you were one of the gay, you know, softball players. And I didn't have a bow because like that was out of my comfort zone, you know, like meanwhile, I'm half the time I'm Ryan. Like Ryan wasn't going to wear a bow. Ryan is not wearing bows. (laughs) And it wasn't so much like, oh, I'm going to like out myself for playing softball. It was more like if being a softball player is already enough to evoke these jokes for -hmm. people to be like, oh, dyke, lesbian, butch, like such negative connotations just around a sport. Mm -hmm. I was like, yikes. Well, now I can't play into this stereotype. I can't make them right. You know, Mm -hmm. like it was very like I projected a lot. So I would. I would like call my friends lesbians, you know, I'd be like, oh, you're gay. Or like, I would like think it was funny to like post a status on my, from my friends, Facebook and be like, oh, like I'm a lesbian. And then I had a coach literally pull me aside at one point and say like, you need to understand that when you make sexuality a joke, you're telling anybody who might be gay that it's something worth joking about, that Mm -hmm. their sexuality is a joke. Mm -hmm. And- Obviously that coach didn't know at the time, but what they were also telling me was that I was telling myself that I was a joke, that mm. if I did come out, all of a sudden not only is it my only identity, I'm now the butt of every joke. Yeah you know. And I think that was tough, like having all of those sort of microaggressions be a thing. And there was a girl in high school on a different basketball team, different school, who showed interest in me, you know, uh-huh. romantic interest. And it became a huge deal at the school, like in your school. Yeah. Like, I mean, people, when we would play against their school, like it was almost, it almost felt like people were coming to these games to watch how she interacted with me (gasps) during the game. And like, it was something where I was like, so conflicted with so many things. Like I was so excited that a girl likes me and like, I really wanted to explore that, but God forbid, like It got out to either of our schools and like I would meet up with her super secretly, like at night. And again, like almost perpetuating my feelings of like, Okay, this is what we've always known. You do things in secret. You keep it a secret. Go get your experience, do it. But keep it a secret. Yeah. And that was
1: that was pretty tough. I think I used to go on Craigslist and try to look, look for girls like on the women seeking women Craigslist. Yeah. And I like joke about it now, but when I really think about it, I'm like, holy shit, it was so dangerous of me to be doing that. And like, especially in Texas too. Right. Yeah. Like who knows what I could have totally come across. Like, and I did, I met up with one girl from Craigslist and like fully, like we would hang out and we would like hook up and I, but I was so, I dealt with external homophobia. You know, I Mm -hmm. grew up in Texas where it was like, uh, -uh, you are not going to be like this. And so obviously that turned into internalized homophobia, you know? So, but I dealt with it like very outward, like this is not okay. And you'll go to hell and Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And so I was like, I can't tell anybody about this. I have to keep this so secret. So yeah, I was fully on Craigslist for like years. I would just like scroll and look at pictures and- It was like the first Tinder, Craigslist. Yeah, Yeah. Craigslist, women's- That's like,
0: it's so interesting to think about how your external homophobia turned into internal homophobia, Mm -hmm. whereas my internal homophobia started within and almost became like external homophobia, right? Oh, wow, that is interesting it wasn't my environment kind of making me feel this way that turned into it. It was all coming from within for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like, I love hearing about, you know, people who do come from places where there is like abundance of external homophobia. And it's interesting to hear, like, we both turn to kind of the same outlets, right? Like mm-hmm. meeting up with people in secret, but that's something that always like would come up between me and, and like in relationships was people asking, like, I don't get it. Like there are people who are from Dallas, Texas, who are surrounded by mega churches and like outward homophobes, people who, you know, are Mormon and their families turn their backs on them or their community turns their back on them. Like, what are you so scared of? Mm -hmm. No one's going to care. And like, I think people thought that was helpful and it was so damaging because I was like, now I also have not just self-hatred that I am gay. Why am I such a coward? Like, uh, people have it worse, right? People come from places where they have to make peace with losing everything and everything changing. And I'm Mm. like, why am I
1: like this? Like,
0: why can't I be brave enough to love myself?
1: Mm, You were so hard on yourself. So hard. What other things do you think you internalized that made it so hard for you to accept your sexuality?
0: Something that I never would have realized without therapy or without looking so deeply inward um, and outward, even at what created so much of this fear was my, my parents are, my, my dad is white, Mm -hmm. but my mom is Japanese and the Japanese culture is very specific. You know, like it's very modest, it's polite, it's not showy, right? You're never, you're never talking about like yourself with Japanese culture and you know you're not giving yourself props or anything like that it's very modest and I think I equated a lot of that culture and that feeling with I don't ever want to bring shame to my family like I thought of my sexuality as something to be ashamed of Mm -hmm. to be different is to stand out And to stand out in Japanese culture is not right. And that's what I told myself. That Mm. I don't want all of the attention being on this thing because then it's making my family different where I am now this way or whatever way. And I think that kind of like started my whole like, okay, well, I better just fit in, fit in, fit in. And then it got worse. Like it became this thing where I would have maybe somebody give me some advice and say like, don't you think you deserve to be happy? Like regardless of what that is or what that looks like for you. And then it would come back to this feeling of like, but to put your own happiness first is so selfish because that's Mm. what we're, you know, taught. That's how we're raised. Like as like a Japanese culture, it's like put other people's, your family's happiness should be paramount. Right. And then when you have your own family, like you put your kids first and you make sure everybody is taken care of. And to outwardly just say, I deserve to be happy, even if that means somebody else isn't happy, th- that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Like, can't do that. And so I think I internalized that and applied it to every aspect of my life, but especially the one aspect of my life where I was like, this is different. This is shameful. And this will prevent my family from having the happiness that they deserve because they now have this black sheep, right? Yeah. I'm gay. And now it's going to impact everybody in my family. I don't deserve to be happy. And if my happiness means coming out, I don't deserve that.
1: That is just so interesting because coming out and that whole process is a process of self-love and putting Mm -hmm. yourself first. Mm -hmm. So that makes so much sense to me why it took you so long or Mm -hmm. you had to overcome kind of that part of your culture and your family. Totally. To... To be able to lean into that. And it's a very yeah, selfish process.
0: It is. And it and it should be. Yes. But I think straight, gay, anything, it takes a minute or like it takes some like exposure for us as we get older and become adults to realize that we can be selfish mm-hmm. and that sometimes being selfish is selfless because if you're not putting yourself first, you're not your best self. How are you giving Yourself to your friends or to your partners or to your family when you're not showing up for yourself. Right. And therefore the best version of you is not there for the people that you love that you inevitably believe deserve the best of you. Yeah, And you can't give that if you're repressing yourself in any sort of way. And mm-hmm. like, don't even get me started on like how long and impossible it feels to ever truly love yourself and also wanna keep this secret. So coming out is almost for me, at least it was sort of a prerequisite to unlocking like a new level of self-love that I genuinely didn't think existed. I'm like, oh, this is all like bullshit. Like people like, oh, I love myself. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll look in the mirror every now and again and be like, you're fine. And that's self-love. But like, it never even occurred to me that you could love yourself for who you are, not just like who people think you are. And that was where I was so, like, my wires were so crossed. It was like all of my self-love was based on how much other people loved me, but how much other people loved me was all based off of these facades. So it really, like, ate away at me being able to, like, I was trending the wrong direction. Right. Where the longer I kept the secret, the more I realized I could do it, the more I was like, Oh, these people love me. And like, that would change if they knew I was gay, but thank God I'm so good at hiding it. And that like chipped away at my self love. Cause it was like, it was almost fake, right? Like these yeah. feelings of people loving me felt fake because I was like, they don't actually know me. Mm-hmm. And if all of how much I love myself is based off of how much people who don't know me, love me where's the self love, right? Yeah. These people don't know who they're loving. And I was like, how will I ever know who I love yeah. within myself? If I don't start to ch- like break down this f- super strong false narrative that I've been telling myself, like you would hear all the time from people like the right people will stay, the right people will stay, but to truly live that and and have to take that gamble with people that you've cultivated relationships with for years is so scary. And I know like it's scary for everybody in their own way, but you know, when your self-worth is riding on how much the relationships in your life love you, it's terrifying
1: to to put that at risk or what you think is risk. I think that's something that a lot of us queer people can relate to mm-hmm. because I was feeling that with living in Texas, it was like, if all of these people knew who I really was, they would literally think that I'm going to burn in hell. Mm -hmm. And so how can I ever turn to them and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And I had to leave the the state. I had to get away from all of those people and basically say, I don't care about them anymore. Like I had to go so far on the other extreme and get away from them to Mm -hmm. be like, it doesn't matter if they ever, care about me or if I ever even see him again, you mm -hmm. know, to be able to then go and figure that out and learn to love myself in that way.
0: Have you since like, obviously now with like social media and everything, it's pretty like clear, but did you ever go back in terms of coming out to people in Texas? Because yeah. yeah. And
1: those were the last people I came out to was the people in Texas. Like,
0: I think that's like a pretty common experience that I've noticed too, is like, I reached a point where I was like, okay, it's no longer a secret. So I'm meeting new people. I'm gay. Love to mm. say it, love to share it. Like, great. And then it was like, all right, I, I'll, I'll, the next wave was like, I'll tell people in college who haven't known me for that long. And mm-hmm. then it was like, the last two people I ever formally came out to were my brother and my dad, because I was like, you've known me the longest. It's going to be the hardest to now backpedal mm-hmm. on who I am. And like, now I don't want you thinking that the past 27 years have been a lie, right. you know? Right. And I think that's like a really interesting one where it's easy once you like come out to start telling new people that you're gay, it's way harder to go back mm-hmm. and, and change change what, right. what people now know you as versus what they thought they knew you as.
1: Yeah. I think I had to really build up an armor mm-hmm. of self-love and just be like, I am okay with this within me. So no matter what you say to me, I'm going to be okay because I know that this is my truth and I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. But I think it was important for me to take that space and Mm -hmm. really be okay before I went back to those people and was able to take in their Mm -hmm. opinions and feelings, you know? And, and,
0: And I think that is, we could use so many adjectives for it. I think that's a hard part. That's a scary part, but it's also such a beautiful part of coming out is that It forces us as gay people to look self-love square in the eye, Mm -hmm. right? Like we all get to it in a different capacity at a different time in a different way. But what it really does is to come out requires a level of self-love that I think straight people have never been forced to that moment of Mm -hmm. like, will I really keep denying myself enough Mm self-love to not speak my truth, even if my voice shakes or am I just going to continue living for other people? Like, mm-hmm. I can't have both, right? Like, I'm never going to know what it's like to love myself enough to be me if I don't force myself to love myself enough to be me Yeah, and stop living other people's truths. And that was kind of the only thing that there was, the scariest thing to me was coming out. Like, mm-hmm. I used to, like, lay awake and want to die and be like, if anybody finds out that I've kissed a girl, like, mm. that's it for me into realizing like the only thing scarier than coming out is the thought that I could wake up when I'm 50 years old next to a man and look to my right and think, not only did I waste all of this time that I could have been happy, I've also now wasted his time not Mm -hmm. being happy because he's now with a woman who doesn't love him as fully as he could have found love. Yes. And I just thought to myself, not only does he not deserve that, I don't fucking deserve that. Mm -hmm. We only get one life to live. And as cliche as it sounds, it's not like my straight friends are living wondering if gay people like them. Like, why am I living to make other people happy without giving people who love me a chance to let both things exist? Yeah, I am gay and I am your best friend. And we're all happy with that. And I just never gave anybody that chance. And like, I realized, like, you're the only one reigning on your own parade here. Like whenever you choose to be happy, it's waiting for you, but that's a choice you need to make. And in order to be brave enough to make that choice, you need to trust that every single person in the world could leave. But if you love yourself, you know, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, And that is like where I think coming out is such a beautiful thing because self-love is, is important for everybody, but to come out is in some way, shape or form synonymous with, I am taking my next step of self-love here. Yeah, And this is how I'm choosing to do it. And it's radical. I mean, it doesn't have to be radical. It doesn't have to be this, I'm gay post on Instagram, but no matter what, every single time you tell someone that you're gay, it's a dash of self-love. Yeah, I love myself enough to tell you who I am and whether you want to take it or leave it, it's up to you because I'm okay with it. Wow. That's beautifully said. I think that that's probably like the biggest thing for me. It's like self-love because internalized homophobia is all like a lack of that. You know, like I don't deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really like the number one best thing to come out of this. Besides if you ever need
1: catfishing advice, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you, bitch. That's amazing to go (laughs) through that and now be on the other side and be like, so fully the opposite like out and proud and yeah that's incredible
0: i I mean i mentioned to you i'm a leo i love being the token gay now like (laughs) i've complained to you before that like i don't have a single gay friend which sucks in its own way but on the flip of that i'm like I do get to be the token everywhere we go. I'm you know? <laughs> like, oh, my gay friend Liz. I've told all my friends, your children are all calling me gal. I am not Auntie Liz. I'm gay Aunt Liz. Oh. I want them all to call me gal. I love yeah.
1: that. In what ways does the internalized homophobia still show itself to you now that even though you're out and you're proud? Yeah, I think there's like a couple of ways. I mean, I'm
0: always noticing them. Like, I think that's something that I like talk about in therapy all the time is I like going to therapy. I'm like, oh, my God. I noticed a new one. Get your pen out. Awareness is key. We're starting the list. Um, But the main two ones that are like my favorite because they're so interesting to me now, now that I'm okay with all of this, I find it interesting to like Mm -hmm. clock these things. Um, The biggest one has been my type where I have always been so like I need to end up with some super femme, super hot, like really girly girl that. Anybody, straight, gay, woman, male, doesn't matter, anybody's gonna look at her and be like, damn, she's hot. Mm. And I realized like that has been my way of, again, bargaining with my sexuality, where I'm like, if I walk in a room with a girl on my arm and everybody in the room's like, damn, she's so fine, I would wanna date her, then it justifies why I'm dating her, even though we're both women. Wow. Versus I'm dating a woman because I'm a lesbian and she happens to be hot. And like, it's helped me kind of question like my own values where I have been burned so many times by going for a girl where I'm her first. And, Mm. you know, my friends used to joke like, you're a great test test girl because like you're pretty feminine and like, but you're also for sure a lesbian. So you kind of offer this like easy transition for girls who are like exploring. Mm. And I'm like, but maybe that's also what I'm doing. Even though I'm not exploring anymore, maybe it's easier for me to make, to come to terms with the fact I'm with a woman, if this woman's also unsure of it too. And we're just sort of doing this almost like college hookup vibe. Like we're just two cute girls, kiss it, you know, and it helped me justify it, but it also forced, not forced me, but it, as a result, like, I didn't care as much like how is someone making me feel? Is somebody making me feel secure? Does somebody make me feel safe? Mm-hmm. Does some Is somebody funny? Are they great with my friends? Things that genuinely matter were further down on the totem pole than like, is she hot? Does she like dress really feminine? Right. Like these things that shouldn't matter more than how someone makes you feel or who they are. I couldn't see past it. Mm -hmm. And that was not on account of like, well, everyone has a type. Like it's just my type. It's my preference. I was able to like fully agree with my therapist on this, that like there is definitely influence from my own internalized homophobia where like, okay, I'll be gay. Everyone can know I'm gay, but they also need to know I pull, you know, like I pull hot girls. So it's not like Liz the butch. It's like Liz and this hot girl are dating like what a hot couple wow so it's almost back to like um, like misogyny right where i'm like if everybody thinks that i'm hot and like they they want to sexualize this relationship then that's more comfortable for me which is so like yuck like Mm. i don't want my love being sexualized by anybody especially not men just on account of how me and this girl look like i want my love to be for me and this person not about other people thinking it's okay And then I would say the second way that internalized homophobia, and I am telling you before I even get started, this is something that I have not overcome this. So this is like still in the works, but it's also funny. Like I totally think like toys in the bedroom and stuff, hot. Absolutely. No shame towards other people. All the shame for me. Like Mm. I think it's so hot. I consider myself a top so it's, like, very uncomfortable when, like, I'm trying to have all my top energy and I can't stop giggling when, like, a toy oh, has no. been brought out. <laughs> like, like I, I was seeing this girl and she was telling me, she's like, I think we're, we have nothing to do tonight. Let's go to a sex store and, like, let's get some, some fun. And I was like, I'll drive us there, but I'm not going in. You have to go in and handle it. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, no, no, no. Come on. You, you don't have to talk to the to the associates. Let's just go in. She handled everything, just like slipped her my credit card. I'm like, I'm gonna be over here with the butt plug. Like, I'm just I'm I'm browsing, I'm perusing. And then she's like, Okay, we're leaving. And we get home, and she's like, Okay, like, should we go to the bedroom? And I'm like, I need at least two white claws. Like the sun, the sun's not down fully yet. Like, let's wait for the sun to go down, and then like we'll see so sun goes down and i don't know how to get it on like oh. you know there's a lot of straps yeah. there's buckles there's i'm like you've got to take the reins and <laughs> i'm like i'm not going to lie to you you're going to need to put this on for me and then once it was on i was like i need you have to leave the room i need 10 minutes to giggle like <laughs> i just was like i can't even look at myself in the mirror like I was so shy and embarrassed, like mm. having this strap on on my body, and like after it was like it happens, and it's like okay, that's hot, great. As soon as it's done, it's like get this off of yeah, me, like, put it in the drawer. But it's got to go, burn <laughs> yeah. it, throw it, throw it away, burn it. Burn, it. <laughs> burn it. Like, do you want it? I won't ever be taking this out again. And <laughs> in the morning, I like woke up and the girl was gone, alone. I get out of bed. I'm feeling like so scary about it. I step on it. Like oh, no. literally I'm like, okay, we can't deal with this today. Throw it in the closet. Then that night I'm like on the phone with my mom and my mom's like, I tell my mom everything. And so I ended up telling, I was like, I'm just going to exposure therapy myself with you on the phone. I just need to to get it out of the closet. I need to get all the packaging. I just need to the look packaging. at it. I just gotta look at it. You know, like this is mine. It's, it's my piece now. Like she, she didn't buy it. I did. <laughs> this is Blizz's cock. This is- <laughs> I wish that was the name. <laughs> we can rename it. But I'm like looking at the packaging and I just like burst out laughing, like uncomfortable laugh though. Like my spit's thick and I'm like, mom, there's a name. <laughs> There's literally a name on the box. Like there's a name for what was just attached to my body and my mom's like, "Oh, like what's the name?" It's blue and like the har- like the harness is sparkly glitter like silver. The name of this strap-on is literally The Regal Duchess. And I'm like, "Oh my god." The Regal Duchess like it had to be so extra, right? It couldn't just be like, "Oh, like my strap-on like Jane." My strap on Jane, you know, like just give me one name, one syllable. No, it was the Regal Duchess. Like, and I'm like, of course, I'm a fucking Leo. And like, I have this Regal unit, you know, like,
1: and then I'm changing your contact in my phone. Regal, to regal Duchess, Duchess.
0: It, Yeah, maybe I like my new Insta handle. And then it's like I ended up leaving it in seattle because i was like if i ever dabble again we'll just have to get a new duchess yeah. because you know you don't want to you don't want to share <laughs> whatever but my mom was like okay so you're gonna leave this in our house in seattle and i'm like yeah like i'm gonna hide it somewhere where dad will never find it and she goes okay but i'm just giving you a heads up if your father ever comes across this i am not taking ownership of the regal duchess she is not mine i'm like okay that's fine you can blame grandma like like my dad knows I'm a lesbian. It certainly wouldn't cross his mind that it was the lesbian in the family's strap on. No, it's no, grandma's. no, it's grandma's. You know, bless her. Like, That's amazing. You're never too. You're never too old. Um, but yeah, like now, like our Wi-Fi in San Diego is literally the Regal Duchess. So like oh, when my people God. come over, they're like, "What's your Wi-Fi password?" And like me and my roommate have to be like, "Oh, it's Regal Duchess, no caps." And they're like, "What's what's the Regal Duchess?" <laughs> I'm like, well, how much do you want to know? How
1: much time do you have? Yeah, like
0: (laughs) it's it's a unit. It's just a piece, you know. So yeah, that's that's a way that internalized homophobia for me is still in the works. I think there will be a point in my life where it's just hot. I have I have friends who are like Liz, like I was the same as you. Like that's it it makes lesbian sex feel more lesbian. Like like, we're introducing like this new side, and my friends are like. I used to be like that. Now my, I make my friends call me the strap queen. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow. I don't know that I'm ever going to be, you know, the the strap queen. But I do think, like, I'll be able to be smooth with it someday. Yeah. You know, like, oh my. I believe in you. I think so, too. I think so. You've
1: overcome so much. I think yeah. you can get there with yeah. the strap. I'm such a hero. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'll get there. Okay. We play a game. Okay. It's called You Holler, You Ghost. Okay. She calls her dad, Daddy.
0: I'm going to have to say... Uh, I don't think it's fair to ghost, but it's going to be conflicting when like, I also don't mind being called daddy. So like we might need to like, I can be okay with it up until like we get to a point where you're going to call me that. And then we're going to need to call your dad something else, Frank or whatever his name is, maybe like father John. I don't know, but he, we can't both be daddy. Like, and if we can't make that transition, there may be a. A switch then ghost. we may go we might we might ghost <laughs> okay yeah got it thank yeah. you for clarifying <laughs> yeah
1: just to clarify um but for the most part i would say i could get past that okay know. yeah okay she religiously goes to burning man
0: i'm gonna go ghost on that one ghost i think so i mean don't get me wrong i would love to hit burning man but there's such a specific vibe of mm-hmm. like the person who's committed Burning Man. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's a commitment. It's like a steampunk vibe. It is. And (laughs) it's, it's not like, it's not your Coachella, right? You're not frolicking around, you know, glitzy glam smelling good every day. Like it's, you got to have grit to go to Burning Man. And I think I like that she has grit. I don't know that I have enough. You know, like I, I can't even handle New York. Like, New York chews me up, spits me out. I don't think I can handle religiously going to Burning Man. Yeah. You know, that's fair. It's a choice. That's a tough one. It is a choice that someone's making. That it's part of their personality, and you know that. Yes. Every two truths and a lie. I religiously go to the Burning Man, it's the truth. Like, you know, that's like so they want you to know that about them. That's so true. You're talking to them for an hour, and you know that they're religiously going to Burning Man. <laughs>
1: For sure. (laughs) Ghost. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that one. Okay. What about this one? She's a couponer. I love a deal. A, bi- a
0: bitch loves, I'm a slut for a deal. Like, sign me up. She'll do the couponing. I'll go to the grocery store. I'll push the cart. I'll do whatever she wants. If she's cutting the coupons, I'm down. You know what? We can use that saved money and go out for dinner tonight. <laughs> like, I, we're not even pinching pennies and I'm stoked, you know? Like, I could be dating, like, Jeff Bezos' daughter and I'm I'm like, pet those coupons, you know, they're there for a reason. Like I'm sick of capitalism. Let's get some money back. Like I spent all my money at Whole Foods and wherever it's not like Whole Foods has many coupons, but you know what I mean? Like let's get the deals
1: for right. sure. You all good sign.
0: hundred percent. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Cheers to the Regal Duchess. The Regal Duchess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening to today's episode. As always, help us spread the gay agenda by writing an Apple review, rating us on Spotify and sharing with everyone you've ever met. You can find today's guest at Liz Gweeney, our show at Made It Out Podcast and me at Mal Glowinky. Made It Out is produced and edited by Mathilde Jordan and worked on solely by lesbians.
0: The Queen of Egypt, Cleopatra, ate pussy. Lick my pyramid.